Hello, and welcome to Art Speaks, a new arts and culture podcast from Philips. I'm your host, Arnold Lehman. After a half century in the art world, mostly as a museum director in Baltimore and in Brooklyn, and five years at Phillips as senior advisor, which means someone who is old, knows a lot of people, and isn't shy about voicing opinions, hosting a series like this seems like a perfect fit for me. So for each episode, like today's, I'll be at my desk having a socially distant conversation with friends from the art world, artists, dealers, museum directors and curators, collectors, and critics, to learn from them how and what they are doing and what is on their minds today and for tomorrow. So let's get started with our conversation with my friend, artist Andres Serrano. I am really thrilled today to be talking to my friend of many, many years, Andres Serrano, who is one of the truly great photographers of this country, and even beyond that, and is a hero of mine uh, always because of how he always stands firm when people are trying to not consider how important freedom of expression is in this country. So in that regard, and in many others, Andres is certainly a hero of mine. So with that said, how are you? Good, great, great, thanks. Uh, Arnold, I gotta say something. You've known me a long time, maybe 30 years, but there's something you don't know about me, and that's this. I hate to be called a photographer. I've always said I'm, I'm not a photographer. I'm an artist who uses a camera, but I'm not a photographer. I take it back, and we're going to edit that out. I'll start all over again. No, no, you don't have to edit that out because it, a lot of people do that. A lot of people make that mistake, but if you correct them, maybe they'll stop making the mistake. You don't have to edit it out. And, and I got to say, uh, my, my position as an artist comes from the days when I went to art school. And a lot of people may not know, but I went to the Brooklyn Museum Art School. I was just going to say that. I'm one of the few people I think who know that. Exactly. When I was 17, I went to the Brooklyn Museum Art School. And in art school, and thanks to Marcel Duchamp, though, really, I learned that anything could be a work of art, including a photograph. And that's how I saw myself as an artist who chose photography as an art practice, but, but it was my art practice as an artist. And you know, I have to say something, which I'm apologetically, I usually don't say that. Um, I usually would normally say um, XYZ is a great artist who happens to use or, or is a photographer. And, um, so I don't know why I did that. Maybe it's because before we started this conversation, Pamela found this great book, Your America, which is about 100 pounds. It's more exercise than I've had in weeks. I'm going to put it down now. But, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I haven't gone through it for a while, but I have to say 
whenever I have gone through that book, your choices, except for a museum director, which I think was bad because that's me, your choices in how to present what America is, not just to you, but to anyone who really looks, is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. And I remember how much I love the fact that in my going away exhibition from Brooklyn five years ago, I wanted that whole series from America that we had at the museum up on those walls because I love them so much, except for my photograph. <laughs> anyway, they're, they're so, I don't even know if the book is still in print, but if it is, people should run out and buy it and take a very, very uh, strong person with you to carry back the shopping bag. Anyway, I enjoy it so much every time, every time I get to look at it. So thank you. Thank you for thank producing you. that. Thank you. And for memorializing me. I remember I sat with you. I swear you took 400 photographs of me. And you didn't use digital. You used film. I still do, yes. Right. Uh, it's a difference. I think you can tell if you look at a lot of photography. I think you can tell. But maybe I'm only imagining that. No, you're not. My printer has always said this. Same thing. As a printer, he says, I can tell the difference between a photograph that was shot with film and, and one that's digital. Well, anyway, I know that you kept changing roles and roles and roles of photographs. I'm sorry you had to waste so much film on me. I, uh, you, you're worth it. You were worth it. <laughs> How long did it take from beginning to end with all of those people that you shot to produce that book. I know you've done many books, but that one book, how long did that take you? Well, that book is called America and Other Work by Andre Serrano. So it starts off with America, and then it's got other work of mine, including the more of the clan, uh, the interpretation of dreams, uh, objects of desire. Uh, but, but America itself started uh, right after 9-11, uh, because I felt like we, uh, America has been attacked as the enemy. So I wanted to uh, define the enemy for, for myself and for anyone else who was interested in my version uh, of what America is. And, and so I spent three years on, on that uh, project. And, and I started with the symbols of S September 11th, the, uh, the firefighters, the FBI agent in a hazmat suit, postal worker, and then went on to other professions and covered people all over the place, all over the map, high and low, meaning I photographed people at the upper echelons of society and down in the middle and down at the bottom. You know, one of the people that I photographed, which I'm very happy about was, and again, it's like saying what you're saying about being relevant then to America and now, is a, a Mexican immigrant worker that I photographed. And he's one, he was one of a bunch of guys. They go out there in Queens, certain streets in Queens. You go there like six, seven in the morning, eight in the morning. They're there looking for work. And that's where I got him. It's amazing book. All you, I've been such a big fan of your work for so many years. But you know, we were trying to figure out when we first met. And I think we first met at a show that you had in a gallery. 
but I just can't remember. What was your very first gallery show in New York? Okay, before I get to that, I want to finish something about America that you may not know. You know, America, one of the people in America that's not in the book is Donald Trump. Uh, I photographed him for the, sh- for the show, for the book, uh, but I didn't get it in in time. But I photographed Donald Trump uh, in 2004 for my America series. And, you know, I chose Donald Trump like I chose everyone else in that book. They represented some aspect of America to me, including the homeless man that I photographed, who, you know, at that time was wearing a little flag around, you know, his neck as a bandana. I mean, that's the thing about what September 11th did for us. It made us all seem, you know, it made us all realize we were all in the same book, boat rather, and in the same book as well. But we were all in the same boat. And Donald Trump is one of the first people that I photographed for that, for that series. Well, let me ask the question. If the publisher came back to you and said, uh, Andres, we want to reprint that book, does Trump go in or does he stay out? Oh, he goes in. <laughs> you know, maybe even on the cover. Uh, you know, that book was done with Tash. And, uh, and uh, originally I had chosen a Boy Scout for the cover. And, and Benedict said, no, no children on the cover because there was other stuff in that book, uh, you know, sex, sex pictures, all kinds of things. So I said, okay, how about the pimp instead? And so he said, that's fine. So there's a pimp on the cover of America and other work. Uh, but now if it came out again, I put Trump on the cover. Okay. I thought it would be a choice between Trump and maybe Snoop Dogg. No, I, I love Snoop. Uh, he's great. But... Uh, I think it's more explosive to put Trump on the cover because Trump has never been re, uh, treated as, as someone worthy of serious art. And, uh, and I've actually taken uh, you know, a look at, at Donald Trump in a serious way as an artist twice. Once when I photographed him for America and the second time when I did the game, All Things Trump, a huge installation that I did uh, a year and a half ago on Donald Trump. And when was your first show? Because I think I was there for that. Uh, I think my first show with Stux was probably uh, 85, 86. Okay. And at the time, uh, Stefan had uh, the, the Aston Twins and Vic Munez, Holt Quintel, uh, all these good artists. Really, really. And uh, artists, many of them that he was probably taking a chance with. Absolutely. I mean, people were not producing, you know, same old, same old. Yeah. So it was a very, I think, experimental group of, and courageous group of artists um, and a courageous, a courageous dealer at that point, because that was the middle of the culture wars in the United States. Well, before the culture wars, but, uh, but still, yes, yeah, Stefan was uh, bringing exciting new young artists uh, to, to people who had never seen them before. So speaking of explosive stuff, and how can I have a discussion with you if I don't mention Piss Christ? Um, when was that? I know that was just around then. That was the mid-80s. I, I didn't do my homework to know exactly, but it was the mid-80s, 86, 87, that area. How did that just explode? What was the first thing that happened? Uh, who lit the candle uh, to that uh, work of art so that it was the, everybody talked about that in New York for a very long time. 
Well, in New York and around the country. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. But in New York first. Always New York first. Well, you know, it really started elsewhere. Uh, I did Piss Christ in 1987. In 1988, uh, Piss Christ uh, was one of 10 images that I submitted for a competition called uh, Arts, uh, Indivi uh, Awards in the Visual Arts, which was put out by SICA, the South East Eastern Center for Contemporary Art, Winston-Salem, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, at the time, uh, I got the award thanks to Marsha Tucker, who awarded me. Uh my great friend, our great yeah, friend, Marsha. Absolutely. And Marsha, like you, was a great supporter early on. And so uh, thanks to Marsha, I, I got the award. And I remember when they called me, uh, I couldn't believe it because I said, is this the award that Ross Blechner got last year? And they said, yeah, because, you know, I was completely unknown. And so for me to, to get this uh, award from Manhattan, because there were 10 regions in the country uh, that uh, were, you know, uh, where they selected artists from. And Manhattan was one area in itself. So I got the award from Manhattan in 1988. And, uh, and so, but that award, in addition to the money, which was about 15000 which was exactly $15,000 grant award, it was part of a traveling ex uh, show, a museum show that went to several places. And uh, one of the places it went to was... Uh, uh, a museum in Virginia, and someone saw Piss Christ there uh, and got upset with it and wrote a, a, a note to the editor of the Richmond News. Actually, it was a very small uh, few paragraphs, and it just said, I saw this whole photograph, Piss Christ, and it was funded by the NEA, and uh, Donald Wildman, who was the head of the American Family Association, uh, fundamentalist Christian group, he uh, sent out a, a campaign, a, a, you know, letters to about 180,000 people, his constituents, urging them to write to Congress to protest the use of taxpayers' money in this way. And so that's how it happened, that in May, uh, actually in April of uh, 1989, Congress and the Senate started to get letters protesting Piss Christ. And so in May of 1989, I was denounced several times by senators like uh, Alphonse D'Amato, who tore up the catalog with the Piss Christ picture, you know, on the cover. He tore it up, and uh, as well as Jesse Helms, who denounced me. You've been in very good company for that in terms of other people who have been denounced. Uh, well, you know, the thing is, I I'm very proud of what Jesse Helms said about me. And what he said was, Andre Serrano is not an artist. He's a jerk who's taunting the American people. That's one of the kindest things anyone ever said about me. Because, you know, you got to remember, I'm a, I'm a completely unknown artist. And for me to be standing in front of the American people, taunting them, that was very empowering. No, that sure was. You know, I mean, again, there's so much. Uh, as you recall, I was... Uh, um, I was also, <laughs> from time to time, uh, brought up in Congress for doing inflammatory things. But I didn't recall that entire story, and I didn't recall that it started in Richmond, Virginia. And then, of course, it became one of the most famous art images um, anywhere in the world. Um, there was not a, I don't think there was a person 
who didn't know about it and certainly who didn't um, immediately come to your, to your side in this. That's not true. Uh, one of the people that, who didn't come to my side was, the, I remember the New York Times writing an editorial at the time saying, well, you know, Robert Maplethorpe, well, first of all, let me backtrack. Because of the flack that I was getting in Congress in 19, May of 1989 over Piss Christ, the Corcoran decided to cancel the uh, Maplethorpe exhibition, which was three weeks later. And when they did that, then all hell broke loose because it wasn't just this unknown artist being caught up in this uh, cultural war, but it was Robert Maplethorpe. And so the art world got up, up in arms about the whole thing. And I remember at the time, the New York Times in an editorial said, well, you know, Robert Maplethorpe, you may not like his work, but he's a known figure. He sold many uh, books, but a crucifix in urine. What were you thinking? So, you know, not everyone came to my support. Okay, well, uh, they've, had a, they've had a chance to rethink that by now. Well, you know, years later, New York Times Magazine asked me to do a number of photographs for them. So, you know, sometimes I, I think maybe they changed their minds. Right. What's that old phrase, what comes around goes around? I mean, that's the past. So tell me what the, your most recent project is. What are you up to right now? You look sitting there, you look so cool and calm, and you probably have a dozen projects that you're working on. Not really. No? No. I'm watching TV and exercising at home, like a lot of people, you know, that's what I'm doing. But uh, my, my last project was called, my last uh, body of work was called Infamous. And uh, Infamous is a, is a kind of look, uh, looking at historical objects that have a certain amount of, uh, uh, you know, uh, infamy, you know, very outrageous things from the past. And so, uh, that, that's my latest show, Infamous. And, you know, we were in talks to bring it to, uh, to New York next year. So I, I don't know if that's uh, still going through because everything has been postponed, you know? Everything's on hold. So you don't know. There are so many right now, there are so many great exhibitions throughout New York City and throughout the country that, you know, were open one day and then the following week closed. So I'm really hoping for everyone's sake, not only the artists involved, but for all of us who love going to museums and to galleries, that many of these shows, as much as possible, can be held over. But I'm glad I'm not the museum director having to cope uh, with um, that calendar going forward because it has to be not an easy task, to say the least. Well, you know, one thing about art, I, I've always said art is something that you really don't need. You don't need it to survive physically, uh, you know, maybe spiritually it's a good thing, but it's not a, a practical thing that you need to exist. So I think at this time, you know, we've done a lot without art, you know, we can get by without art. Uh, I know I've not, you know, I don't go to shows. I mean, unless I know you and I, I consider you a friend, I, I, I rarely go to any openings, you know except my own. And so I, I've been taking a break from the art world for years. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad, well, I never go to openings because the problem with an opening, with the thousand people who are there in a gallery and the 5,000 people who are at a museum for an opening, um, you can get one, trampled, two, you never get to see the work. And the whole, the whole reason 
for doing that is perhaps to see some people that he would otherwise not have seen. But I invariably go the second or the third day when things have quieted down and I actually can see what I'm, what I'm there for. But I know you can always get in early. You always get the VIP tra- treatment. Well, not always, not always. You know, these days, all these young folks taking over the museums and uh, the galleries, um, I, barely, I barely know um, people anymore. But I'm, you know, I can use my cane. I can swat people with my cane to get them to move along if they don't let me in to see something. Anyway, so when you're out and about and wearing a mask, as you said, where do you go? I go for long walks sometimes, uh, very long walks. Uh, and I, I try to stay away from people. I always stay away from people and I'm wearing a mask. But, you know, I see a lot of rude behavior, you know, and by rude behavior, I see people coughing in public without masks. I mean, come on. They're not wearing masks and they're coughing in public. That's not right. No, it isn't. Um, and we're always so proud of New Yorkers who generally, um, who generally, I think, do the right thing. But I've been watching. I saw all the people uh, in one of the parks, the New York parks, the other day, and they were just on top of one another. There was no social distancing. There, I'm sure people were coughing and, you know, whatever they were doing and sneezing. It's allergy season, to say the least. But um, um, I'm just hoping that there won't be a bad outcome from all of that. Um, so when, when things get a little bit better, maybe I should follow you at a, at a good distance, follow your path and see where, where you lead. But I've always seen you. How many times have we bumped into one another on the street? A lot of times. Um, as I recall, it's really amazing on this big city. And even in whether we're in Chelsea or the village or wherever, you still, you know, I've probably seen you walking on the street more than anyone I can even think of. So you do a lot of walking. I do. Um, well, and that's, and that's great. Anyway, what do, you think, um, what do you think is ahead of us? What's going to happen? Well, I think what's ahead of us is, is here now. I think this is going to stay a long time with us, you know. And even if we open up, I know I'm going to be wearing a mask. You know, because you have to think, you have to think about you and you have to protect yourself and your family. And, you know, so I have to look out for myself and for my wife, Irina. And so I don't, I don't care if you think you're okay, uh, but I don't know if you're okay. And so I have to wear a mask. And I, you know, I like, I, I love Halloween for that reason. I love wearing masks. I like, you know, Watchmen. We should all live in a society where we have to wear masks most of the time. And now we, we are living in that society. But think, Andres, what a great, um, what a great exhibition that would make. Which one? Of masked people? Of masked people. The, I, I haven't thought about that. And I don't know if anyone is, is, is memorializing that in some fashion. But, um, you know, I think back to your the larger scale mask people and all those Klansmen, um, which is certainly one of a great series of exhibitions that you've done and I've admired so much. But um, that's mask wearing of a different sort. Sure. But uh, some, a sort of which 
uh, I probably, I'll never forget that exhibition and many others. That was a very telling exhibition. And I know um, um, difficult exhibition for a lot of people. But then again, your, your exhibitions are never easy. They, they wouldn't be me if they were easy. <laughs> I was just going to say that. But I was hoping that you were going to say that, which um, I think is, is the truth. And that's why we need, uh, we need, at the very least, one Andre Serrano in our life and in our art community. And um, uh, with any luck, uh, people will will see and have seen what you've done and and uh, figure out their own path to be equally uh, open to so much that's around us and memorializes it for us in these great works of art. You know, Arnold, I did the, the, the uh, Ku Klux Klan pictures in 1990. I always like to think of my work as being of the time and ahead of the time as well. Well... That's not easy to do. And so uh, you deserve, um, well, you have my applause, you know that, uh, but you deserve uh, everyone's applause for all that you've done um, for, for us uh, and for the, the art community, not just New York, but for all over the world. I gotta say though, I didn't do it for you, I did it for myself. I always say, you know, you're the artist, you're the audience. I, I do it for me, you know? And sometimes it gets me in trouble, uh, but that's the way it has to be. You, you got to, you know, in a word, in a way, when when you're an artist, you're really talking to yourself, nobody else. Um, I'm not being an artist. Um, I understand that. Um, and then you become your own most severe critic. And your biggest fan too. <laughs> and your biggest fan. <laughs> right. Um, say hi to Arena for me. Okay. Give her my best. Keep wearing those masks. You're very sweet, Arnold. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you so Thank much you for that. doing this with me. And hopefully we will see one another soon, maybe without masks, in the not-too-distant future. Thank you. Stay well. Stay well. Stay well. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. That was my great friend, Andres Serrano. I hope you will join me next time on Art Speaks when gallerist Jeffrey Deitch will be with us.